Well, good morning. How's everyone doing today? Good, 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 good. Um, I hope you don't have any problem with the Starbucks bag. Uh, I had, when I was in Hong Kong, I put the Starbucks bag up there and somebody took great umbrage at the, uh, at the Starbucks bag. You'll see why it's there in a little bit. But, you know, if you're visiting with us this morning, um, you never know what to expect when, when you come to a church for the first time. 2016, I, I got a, I, the church graciously gave me a sabbatical. And I went on sabbatical, and it wasn't one of these sabbaticals that you go on to. You know, sabbatical, I, I've always thought was you, you take a break. But sometimes guys go on sabbatical, and they do even more work while they're on sabbatical. But my sabbatical was just, it was a three-month where I needed my soul to catch up with my body. But one of the things that I wanted to do when I went on sabbatical was I wanted to visit churches. I wanted to see how they did church. I wanted to listen to somebody else for a change. You know, as a pastor, you rarely get to hear somebody else preach. And I wanted to hear somebody else preach. I wanted to hear, I wanted to see how they did church. But inevitably, when I would go to these churches, inevitably, the senior pastor would be gone. I mean, I know it was summer, but it was like every week I'm going to these churches and the pastor's gone. And so you get the associate pastor or the youth, youth pastor. Nothing wrong with that. But I was really looking forward to having the senior pastor. One church we went to was a tiny little church. And we, we had passed it by many, many times. So I thought, hey, let's check in with that church. We walk in, and the pastor of the church, he says, do I know you? <laughs> I said, I don't think so. I said, uh, I, I said, I don't know that we've ever met. What's your name? And I gave him my first name, and he said, where do you live? I said, we just live right over here. And he said, did the district send you to spy on me? It's like, <laughs> brother, just feed me from the word this morning. Turns out he was wanting to give a royal whoop-up on his congregation that morning, and I, I kind of cramped his style. Uh, he was gone the next day. Uh, the district didn't keep him in there, but it wasn't what I was expecting when I went into church. And this morning, I want to talk to you about a church. If you were to look at it from the outside, you would say that no way, no way would this be a generous church. And here's one of the second things that you come to not expect when you come to church, because Many times people say, you know, when you come as a visitor, you say, the church always talks about giving. Well, this is a Sunday I'm going to talk about giving, and it won't be the last time you'll hear me say this, but I preach it when God tells me to preach it, because Jesus talked a lot about it. And we're going to see a church this morning that was generous. But from the outside, if you were to look at it from the outside, you'd say, no way, no way could this church have been as generous as what they were. And this morning we're looking at at, God, at being stewards of what it is that God has given us as far as treasures. Now, treasure can be anything. It can be a, a 69 uh, Impala SS with a 409 engine. I had a guy in my congregation in Montana. That thing, you could have eaten off the floor of, of his, of his uh, plate. It was like a showroom. Chrome, chrome um, wrenches up on the wall. I mean, you could, you could look at the car, but you dare not touch the car. I mean, some of you car guys... The, the windshield washer fluid re re reservoir was the glass one with the, little, with the little cap on it. When he would take it to a, a trade show or a car show, he'd put that cap in his pocket because that's what everybody wanted. They wanted the original cap. Your, your treasure may be your kids. Your treasure may be your house. It may be your money. It may be your, your name. It may be a number of different things. But your treasure is where your heart is. Your treasure is where your heart is. And God says, where your treasure is, that, where your, that is where your heart will be also. And we have been looking at the issue of stewardship over the last three weeks. Stewardship basically comes down to this. It's an issue of the heart. 
It really is an issue of the heart. And we have been talking about stewardship, stewardship in the area of, of God's time. We are stewards of God's time. Time doesn't belong to us. It's God's time. Stewards of God's talents and his gifts. The gifts and the talents that God gives you are not your own. And this week we're going to talk about being stewards of God's, of God's treasures. Whatever has your heart, that's where your treasure is. And I'm going to be specifically talking about giving this morning. But we have given a, a definition of what a steward is. And if we could have that slide up here, please. A steward is somebody who manages the property and the affairs of somebody else. It's not theirs. The time that God gives you is not yours. The talents and the gifts are not yours. And what that means is when they're not mine, I can't just pick them up and take them away. Like I get angry and I'm just going to pick up my toys and go home. We can't do that. Remember as we talked about last week with the gifts and the talents that God gives us? Why are they given? Three reasons. To bring glory to God, to build up the church, and to point people to Christ. They're not ours. And today we look at the treasures that God has given us. And the treasures do not belong to, to us. But here's the thing. Whatever God gives us, he expects us to be faithful with it. He expects for there to be a return on whatever it is that he has given to us. People are always drawn to motion, so I stop. God expects for there to be faithfulness on our part. And that's been our memory verse that we've been learning for this, this whole series. If we could have 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 4, verse 2. Now, if you're visiting with us, you get a pass this morning. Uh, the rest of us, I look out and I see you've all been here, so this is your opportunity. Uh, why don't we say the verse together, and then I, hopefully we're going to be taking away some of this. Those who have been, okay, this is an all play. Those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. All right, let's take away some of that. Okay, those who have... Wow, let's try that one again. <laughs> that was kind of like... Okay, those... All right, one more. Okay, so God says he wants us to be faithful. Faithful with what you're giving. Why? Because it's not mine. It's his. And will we be called to give an accounting of what it is that God has given us? Yes. Yes, we will. We'll be called to give an accounting. How did I deal with God's time? How did I deal with his treasure? So let me ask that question. How are you doing? Because it is one thing to hear the message of God on Sunday morning. It's another to respond to it. So without, any, without you raising your hand or anything, just answering the question in your heart, how have you been doing with God's time? Have you allowed there to be margin in your life so that you're growing in your relationship with God? Are you giving him time when it says, make the most of every opportunity, redeeming the time for the days are evil? How are we doing with that? What about God's gifts and talents? How has God spoken to you into your life in this week to help you to realize, hey, this isn't mine. It's God's. And how are you doing with that? Are you saying, God, I want to give you glory with these gifts. I want Jesus to be, excuse me, the church to be lifted up and people pointed to Christ. How's it going with that? But this morning we touch on probably the touchiest one of them all. And we talk about giving. But giving is this. Giving, this is slide two. Giving is, of all issues of stewardship, giving is an issue of the heart. And giving is an act of worship. This is slide three. Giving is an act of worship that flows out of a heart of gratitude. 
That's really what it comes down to. All of stewardship is, a, is, a, is an issue of the heart. And giving is an act of worship that flows out of a heart of gratitude. And as we look at the church that we're going to be looking at this morning, it's churches in Macedonia. We, got a, we have a map up here of Macedonia. Macedonia, I can't even see it in this thing. Piece of junk. Okay, Macedonia is, is this area up in here. And Paul was called to go to Macedonia. I mean, there was no doubt that Paul was called to go to Macedonia. He wanted to go someplace else, but God very clearly wanted him to go to Macedonia. And when he gets there, what is he, what is he met with? I mean, is he met with open arms? Uh, talk about tough ministry. My goodness sake. He is beaten up, thrown into, into jail, even though he's a Roman citizen without trial. I mean, he is really beaten up. They use like a mall handle on him. I mean, that's how Paul is beaten. And everywhere he goes, the Jewish people that are there, they're chasing him out from one town to another. And those are the cities of Thessalonica. It would have been Philippi, and it would have been the city of Berea would have been where the Macedonian churches were. But in the midst of all of that turmoil... A church is born. Churches are born in that area. And these are churches that were strong. But looking at them from the outside, you would say, there's nothing there. Let me read for you what Paul says about these churches. And now, brothers, we want you, this is 2 Corinthians 8, 1 and 2. Now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace. That little word grace, five times it shows up in chapter 8 and one time in chapter 9. I mean, very close proximity. Thank you. Thank you very much, Rhonda. In very close proximity. And what Paul is saying here is he says, I want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. I don't know about you, but when I read that, that's like, that doesn't make any sense. That blows every circuit in my, in my head. How do you get... How do you get out of severe trial, overflowing joy? How do you get out of extreme poverty, rich generosity? How, how, how does that happen? Because as we look at this church, it says, out of the most severe trial. That's for you Greek geeks, that's the word flipsis. Flipsis is a word that uh, we see it show up in Revelation chapter 2, verse 9. We could have that scripture. Revelation 2, and in three weeks we're going to be talking about this church. Our next series that starts next week is called Seven, it's, uh, seven Letters to the Seven Churches in Revelation. And this is the church at, at um, Smyrna. It's, the only, it's one of two churches that receives no condemnation, but only commendation. And the risen Savior says to this church, I know your afflictions and your poverty. Yet you are what? What's the word that's being used? You are rich. The word for afflictions is the same word here for severe trial, flipsis. It literally meant to be crushed. And Jesus, the risen Savior, is saying to this church, he said, I know that you're being crushed. I know the extreme poverty. Because when someone came to Christ, here in this place, when it talks about severe trial, when somebody came to Christ in this culture, especially as we'll learn in the next several weeks, it was hard. It was really hard to be a Christian. We take that for granted here. We can walk into a church on Sunday morning, we can be a believer, and it really doesn't affect much of our lives. But for them to become a believer, as we're going to learn, especially like in Ephesus and other places where there's tons of pagan worship going on, as well as incredible amounts of sexual immorality, people who are part of guilds, if you were part of a guild, you were faithful to that guild. But all of a sudden you turn to Christ, 
And you're no longer going to the temple. You're no longer doing the things that the family would want you to do. And all of a sudden, now you are an outcast. And if you are somebody who sells something, guess how much business you're going to have after that? Zero. And if you are a Christian, it means not only are you not going to have anything, but you're going to be persecuted as well. It was really hard. And what he's saying here is these guys are being crushed. Well, what comes out? Well, what's, what's the result? Can we have that scripture back up there, verse 2? 8 2. What, what comes out? He, sa- uh, he says, What comes out? He says, Overflowing joy out of their most severe trial, overflowing joy. So, are you being crushed today? For some of us, we're walking through some pretty tough stuff. So, what comes out? So, I have a line here. Now, it doesn't take much of a genius. When you're crushed, what, what comes out? What comes out is what's in there. That's what comes out. And when you are crushed, what's going to come out of you is what's put in you. And when you are walking through a difficult time, what is it that God, God sometimes in his mercy allows you to walk through those times of difficulty, doesn't he? He has a purpose in it. He said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And in the midst of those times, what are people seeing? Are they seeing you? There are times I know when I've been crushed, and what comes out of me is not very Christ-like. But God says, when we are crushed, when we are squeezed, what is he looking for? He's looking for Christ to be seen. Because does that preach? When somebody knows that you're a believer and you're walking through a really difficult time, does that preach? When Christ is the one that comes out, it does. And it says, for this church, out of the most severe trial, what came out was overflowing joy. How? How is that possible that overflowing joy can come out of that? Here's how. We see in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, it said, And God is able to make all grace abound in you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will what? You will abound in every good work. What is it? It's God's grace. In, in the midst of these times, in the midst of the hard times, you may not have anything, but you go back and you say, God, I need you in the midst of this time. And God, I trust you in the midst of this time. And God gives his grace. And he says he makes it abound in us so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will, you will abound in every good work. And this church, they showed, they showed that they were a church that trusted God. As well, we see in, in them, it also says that out of their extreme poverty, out of their extreme poverty, if we could go back to that, just stay at that verse, or um, go to 2 Corinthians 8, yeah. Out of, the most, out of their extreme poverty, it welled up in rich generosity. Zero plus zero equals zero. I mean, I know I third grade education here. I know, I, I, I know that much. They don't have anything. And the word that's being used there for poverty, there's two words for poor in, 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 the, in the Greek that's used in the Scripture. The first one is poor having a little bit of something. The second one is poor being reduced to the place of begging. When Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, 
he uses that word. It's the word tokos. And that's exactly the word that's being used here. Extreme poverty. I mean, they are reduced to the point of begging. And yet, they give. And yet, it wells up in, in rich generosity. How? How? It, because they gave, it says in verse 3 and 4, it says they gave as much as they were able. They didn't have anything. I mean, when you have nothing, how, and, and there are times where people say, well, I, I, I can't give. You can't afford not to give. I mean, it, it's not how much you give, it's how much you keep. Because it, it's not yours. And here, here they gave as much as they were able. And then even beyond their own ability. I have to believe that there were probably some rumbling tummies going on at night. And, and little ones asking, Mommy, Daddy, are we going to eat tonight? And yet they gave. He said, that's stupid. That's absolutely stupid. You take care of yourself first. And yet it's not. It's an issue of trust, isn't it? And as we're going to see, they gave entirely on their own. And they what? What's the word there? Urgently pleaded with us for the, the word privilege is the word charis. It's grace. They urgently pleaded with us for the grace. You see, they didn't see giving as, as an obligation. Because sometimes it's like, okay, what do I got here in my pocket? All right, I'll just throw something. It's, they didn't see giving as an obligation. They saw it. They saw it as a, as a gift. They saw it as an act of worship. They saw it as a privilege to give back to God. Because that's what it is. It's a privilege. It's an act of worship. Giving is an act of worship that flows out of a heart of gratitude. Gratitude for God. Because they had seen what it was that, that Christ had done for them. God's not honored by the, by the size of the gift. He's honored by the sacrifice. If we could have that slide up there. That is slide number five. God's not honored by the degree of their sacrifice. God is honored by the degree of our sacrifice, not, we having trouble with that one? Not, not the amount. When God sees, when God saw this church, he saw a church that was generous, a church that, that saw giving not as an imposition but as a privilege. To them it was an honor to give. It says in Scripture, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Well, that, that's the truth. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. But they saw, what was their example? They saw the example of Christ. We see in, in, uh, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5, or 8, verse 7, huh, 8, verse 9. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. They saw the example of Christ. And Christ was their example, and that's why they gave. They didn't see it as, a, as oh, i got to do this, but they saw it rather as a, as a privilege. And Paul, Paul puts his finger on this church because this, what, what's, going, what's the backstory of this is that there was a famine in Jerusalem and Judea area. And the people in, in Asia Minor, that would be Turkey, and that would be Macedonia, would be the bottom part of, of Europe. They had said, hey, let's get up a fund and let's gather up money and send it back with Paul and some other representatives to help out our brothers and sisters in the church in Jerusalem and Judea area. And the Corinthians said, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, we are in. We're going to do this. And a year later, there was not a whole lot going on. But the church in Macedonia, they stepped up to the plate. They had nothing. 
And yet they gave, and it, it says it welled up in rich generosity. And they gave. They gave because they saw the example of Christ. And Paul says to them, you excel in every other gift. He said, excel in the gift of giving. Because giving reveals your heart, doesn't it? It really does. And giving is an issue of trust. It's a heart issue, but it is an issue of trust. I may have told you this story before, but it's okay. You're going to hear it again. Way back when, I think Beck and I were married maybe three, four months. I was in Bible school at the, at the time, and I really wasn't walking with the Lord. Uh, I, I put out my last cigarette as we're getting ready to get in the car to, to go up to Bible school, and, and I just I wasn't walking with the Lord. And so we get there, and I'm studying one night, and Becca comes to me, and she says, you know, we've been talking about this whole issue of tithing, giving back to God. Have you thought anything about that, what, what, what we should give? And I said, uh, I do the man thing. I said, well, what do you think? <laughs> and so she is the numbers person. She worked at a bank, and, and she said, well, this is where we stand. And she said, this is what we have to live on for the next two weeks. I thought, okay, it's going to be a little tight, but uh, I think we can make it. Then she said, but this is how much we have to live on if we tithe. And it's like, (laughs) there's there's nothing left. There's, There's nothing there. And it was like, now or never, Joel. And we decided, okay, God, we will trust you. And there were, honestly, there were a lot of tears. We didn't know where it was coming from. And we chose to write out out the check, and we chose to say, God, this belongs to you. The next day, Beck drops me off at at school, and Beck's cousin, husband, also went to school there. And he comes walking up to me, and he was poor as we were. And he goes to shake my hand, and he says, just shut up. The Lord told me to give this to you. And as I opened my hand up, there was a $20 bill in my hand. They're as poor as we were. I don't know what, but he gave me a $20 bill. I'm like, God, thank you. It hasn't even been 24 hours. And you give me a $20 bill. I leave, I go to school, and I leave, and I go to work at at McIntoon's. I was a manager of the the grocery store. And you were, had to be working when the big boss came in, old Marvin McIntoon. He was a huge man. Never needed a microphone at all. And when he would come into the store, you better be working when he came in. And I heard over the intercom that he wanted to talk to the manager. And so, all right, so I, I came up there, and he walked me through the store, and he's asking me questions. We get to the back room. He says, what's that? And I said, well, that's all the, the back stock, Marvin. And he said, what's that? And I said, well, I said, that's where the guys got a little overzealous when they were opening up the boxes of, like, Cheerios. And instead of opening along the top, they just kind of got on it halfway down, and I said, they cut the boxes open. He said, well, what are we going to do with that? I said, I said, I don't know, just probably throw it away. I said, they won't take it back at the company. He said, throw it away, nothing. He said, young college student, he said, you take that home. You, you have that. And so there's all this stuff there, and it's like, wow, okay, we can take this home. And so there's rice and I don't know, whatever else was there. But it's like, God, thank you. Then we walked into the, into the cooler, and there was a gallon of milk sitting on the floor, and he says, what's that? And I said, that, that's a leaker. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, it, it leaks out of the top, and I said, we can't sell it. He said, what are you going to do with it? He said, I said, well, I'll take it probably to the deli, and they'll use it for something. Deli, nothing, he said. Young college student, he said, you take that home, and you have that. And I'm thinking, God, thank you. 
Thank you. We got $20. We got some groceries. We got a gallon of milk. Hey, God, I, I think you're in this. So Becca's at work. And while she's at work, one of the guys, one of the managers of the bank, walked by her and said, you like pheasant? Never had it in our life. And he said, I went to South Dakota, and he said, I got all these pheasant. My freezer's full of pheasant. He said, no way we're going to be able to eat them all. How about I bring you back some pheasant? And like, great, great. So she comes home, and she's got all these pheasants, and I'm telling her about it. I got, we got milk, and we got groceries, and, and $20. And then her cousin, the one whose husband gave me the $20, she calls up and says, I hit a deer on the way home. And she said, I got a deer hanging up in the, in the trees right outside of the house. She said, you guys come tomorrow and, and get yourself some venison. It wasn't even 24 hours. And God said, do you trust me? But you know, God doesn't stop there, does he? Because we can have those times where we trust God, but then we can get kind of into a rut. Of we just do this. It's just, okay, we just peel this money off and we don't think about it. Go ahead now, 10 years we had been living in the Sacramento area, and we'd moved up to Redding, California, where Becca was going to school. And our, our landlord came over, a dear godly man came over, and he knocked on the door, and I answered the door, and he said, Joel, everything okay? And I said, yeah, why? Um, you guys are late on your rent. So what do you mean we're late on our rent? He said, yeah, you're, you're late. You haven't paid your rent. You said you're 10 days late. And I thought we'd already paid it. And he said, no problem. He said, absolutely no problem at all. He said, just, just put a little bit extra in each month, and we'll get this caught up. No, no problem. He said, I understand. And so we went back, and we looked at the checkbook, and we had inadvertently spent the money. I mean, it wasn't something we'd done. And so I was like, okay, where are we going to come up with $700? We, we, we didn't have it. I mean, we had a very, very tight budget. We got a babysitter for the kids, and we went out, and, and we just prayed and fasted and said, God, we didn't do this on purpose. And we just ask you to forgive us, but Lord, we don't know where $700 is going to come from. The next day, it's lunchtime, and I'm looking over the mail, and I said, and here's a, a letter from the insurance company. And I said, oh, great, a, a bill from the insurance company. And Becca looked at the envelope, and she said, we don't have that insurance company anymore. That's what we had in Sacramento. And she said, well, just open it. Turns out the insurance company had been looking for us for two years. We didn't give them a forwarding address when we left. They had been looking for us for two years because we had overspent our insurance to the tune of $700. As I'm looking at the number, it's like, oh my goodness. God could have given us at any time, but he chose that moment to give it to us because he said, now, do you trust me? Do we trust God enough to trust him with our treasures? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also going to be. Is God your treasure? Because here's the, here's the bottom line. God doesn't need your time. God doesn't need your talents and gifts. God doesn't need your money. I mean, think about it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what did God say? And God said, let there be light. And of course there was. When God says something, it happens. Did God need us for that? He, he didn't. God doesn't need your time. He doesn't need your talents. He doesn't need your money. What he wants is your heart because he realizes if he has your heart, he has all of those other things as well. That's why giving is an issue. <clears throat> That's why stewardship... <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> That's why stewardship is an issue of the heart. And just some practical... Practical lessons as we close up this sermon. 
your paycheck that you get twice a month, once a month, once a week, uh, once a month. That person who gives you the paycheck is your employer. God is your provider. He's the one who provides for you. And can he be trusted to provide? Yeah, the question is, will we trust him to provide? Because for many of us, this is an issue. Okay, I'll give you my time. I'll give you some of my talents and my my gifting, what, what what I can give at this point. But this one is a hard one. Because this really says where your heart is at. And giving shouldn't be an afterthought. Verse 7 of chapter 9 says, Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The word cheerful there is uh, the Greek word helosmos. is where we get our word hilarious from. God wants us to give with cheerful hearts. He, he doesn't have us in an arm bar saying, Hey, you need to give this, that you need to give me this much. God wants it to be done out of our heart. But here's an important thing. Sit down as a couple and decide what it is that you should give. Or sit down individually. Take a look at your paycheck because we, we use a tenth, a tenth of what you have just as a benchmark. If you want to get really legalistic about it, you go back to the Old Testament. It's about 37%, okay? You want to get legalistic about it? 10% is a good benchmark. That's a benchmark. It's a place to start. So if you're making $1,000, okay, I know Wisconsin. If you're making $1,000, how much of that belongs to God? A hundred. If you're making 10,000, a thousand of that belongs to God. That's God's. And what you determine in your heart is you say, that belongs to God. I do not touch that. And as couples decide, what is that number? That's your tithe. A gift is beyond that. A gift is beyond that. The tithe belongs to God. The gift says, God, this is what is yours, but this is what I give in and over on top of that. Why do I say that? Do we need money at the church? No. The reason I say this is because it's an issue of our heart. And God would want us to be speaking about this as well. God loves a cheerful giver. But there's one thing with giving today that's far different from this time. I know many of you give online. And so it just, I mean, we have our electrical and we have everything else that comes out of our, our account and our tithe just comes out of our account every month. And it was a question I asked Beck this week. I said, so how do we, as a couple, how do we continue to have giving as an act of worship when it's just something that is automatically taken out of our account? And it's something where we need to sit down that I get a, I get a text every, or I get an email every two weeks when I'm paid. Can I stop at that point and to say, and can Beck and I stop when we're having devotions at night and say, God, Thank you again for how you've provided for us in this month. Here's our gift to you. Even though we may not put it physically in the offering plate, here it is for you, God. Because otherwise, giving can just be something where out of sight, out of mind. It's just another one of the bills that we have, and it's not a bill. It's, it's a gift. But you say, Pastor, I, I, I can't give. Or what I have is so little. Oh my goodness, what can God do with a little when it's placed in his hands? You remember this little boy? We read in the book of John, chapter 6, this little boy comes and brings us what it would be a, a lunchable. Okay, that's about all it was. He brings a lunchable to Jesus. Now, having worked with Asians, I know they don't go anywhere without bringing hot water and without bringing something to eat. I mean, they, they just don't do that. And I know that 
in that crowd of over, there were just 5,000 men, probably 20,000 people. There had to be somebody else in that place that had, had food. But only one of them was willing to come and give it to Jesus. And what did Jesus do with that one little gift? And he fed the whole crowd. And not only did he feed the whole crowd, but there's 12 baskets, 12 baskets left over. What can God do with the little? He can do a lot. But the question is, what can God do with a heart that is given over to him? Wow. And I'm going to show you a video of what happens when, God, when we give God the little that we have, but we give it with the right heart. <clears throat> and this is about 10 years old. And uh, Fanling was very close to where we lived in Hong Kong. And they still continue to take kids there every, every year, all year long, um, to that camp. One dollar. One person's gift. Sacrificial gift of a child. So what is God saying to you? As we close out this series on stewardship, how is God speaking to your heart? About your time. Are you making margin in your life to give God time so that you can come to know Him in a deeper way? Are you making the most of every opportunity, redeeming the time because the days are evil? How about your gifts and your talents? Are they yours? Or is God saying for you to get these in the game so that He is given glory? The church is built up and people are pointed to Christ. And then with your, with your, with your treasures... Are they yours? Do treasures have you? Or do you have treasures? Because they belong to God. And God wants to take what we have and use it to, for the blessing of His kingdom. But in the midst, He also wants to bless you as you give. Giving and stewardship is an issue of the heart. And my deepest prayer as we close out this series is that your heart has been changed. And that God has spoken to your heart about what he desires. Where's your treasure today? If your treasure is God's, if God is your treasure, then he has your time. He has your talents. And he has your treasures. Amen? Amen. Father in heaven, thank you. And God, every time I see that video, I am just, I'm just in awe. And God, we stand today in a place where, God, you called us to. And if we peel back this carpeting, there are scripture verses written on the floor. And God, we know that this is where we're to be. And God, we also know that you are the one who has given us time, talents, and treasures. You've entrusted them to us in as much as you've entrusted this place to us. And God, you call us to be faithful. And Lord, as we close out this series, my deepest prayer is that we have heard what it is that you've said. And Lord, in your economy, to hear is to obey. And I pray that, Lord, you would be the one that speaks to our hearts about what it is we're to do with our time, our talents, and our treasures. God, I pray that we would be faithful stewards. 
that when you see us, you would say, well done, thou, faith, thou good and faithful servant. And Lord, for some of us, as we have talked about the issue of giving, we have heard things today that we have never heard before. And you have challenged our hearts in ways that God leave us saying, I have to do something with what it is I've heard. And I pray for couples as they leave here today, and it may be a quiet ride home. But I pray that as couples, they will trust you. And that as parents, we will model to our children what it means to give. And to give with a grateful heart. And I pray that God as well, that we would not look at giving as something that I have to do. But that we would see it as an act of worship. Born out of a heart of gratitude for you. I pray and I ask, Lord God, that you would continue to take the gifts that, you, that we give to you and the treasures that we give to you and use them to bring glory to your name. Use them to build the church up and use them to point people to Christ here and all around us. And I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. It is my deepest prayer that God would bless you that he would fairly open the windows of heaven and pour more blessing into your lap than what you could ever hold. And that out of that blessing, there would come forth from you just an absolute heart filled with gratitude and give back. We can't outgive God, can we? And I bless you with the joy, with the absolute joy of being able to give back to the Lord. And I pray that God's hand will go with you in this week in a very precious way. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We'll see you next week. Have a great week.